The South Congress Podcast is a lifestyle show that sometimes crosses over into mature territory. The views expressed are those of the hosts and guests who come from different backgrounds and experiences. Listener discretion is advised. So, the galaxy is at the brink with the Federation battling rebels in a civil war. You intercept a data packet from the rebel fleet containing information that could throw the rebels into disarray and ensure a Federation victory. Your mission is to take the message across the galaxy through multiple sectors to the Federation Council. You pilot a tiny fighter avoiding destruction from hostile ships or by the pursuing rebel fleet. You manage your ship's crew, the ship's resources like power, weapons, shields, oxygen levels, fuel, and money. On your journey, too many bad decisions, any misplaced trust, or even a stray missile you fire in battle can spell doom for the crew members or even for the ship itself. You are within a few faster-than-light jumps from the final sector. You get into a dogfight with a rebel fighter. During the chaos, an enemy rocket knocks a hole in your ship and damages your oxygen system. The oxygen thins. You are low on resources and morale. You send a crewman to patch the hole and repair the oxygen systems. While a fire rages on the other side of your ship, splitting your priorities. It's looking grim for you, but the enemy ship is in worse condition. Whoever lands the next shot is sure to win the battle. Your lasers blast out, but they miss. You think <laughs> it can't end like this. You pray to RNG Jesus. The enemy fires, and your crackpot pilot manages to dodge the lasers. Yo, excited at the newfound opportunity, your rockets fire, and this time they land. Exasperated, you turn your attention to your ship. Yeah, that crewman you sent to repair the oxygen? He suffocated. You scramble to try to fix the oxygen, but it's too late. All you can do is slowly watch their health bars deplete. Yeah, managing your crew in FTL faster than light is quite the experience. Today, on a special edition of What's the Fun in That, we bring you your stories. I have three gamers sharing their whimsical, their curiosity, their personal journey journey through the gaming sphere. Go ahead and buckle up, everyone. So, let's talk RPGs. Getting into actual role-playing. Do you play as yourself? Or do you create a fiction and let your imagination run wild? And what happens when you betray that character and the principles you establish for them? Our first guest is here to tell us about her adventures in Final Fantasy XIV. So I guess my story starts when I first made my first character. I was originally going to have her have like a personality, uh, but that quickly fell apart. Um, I ended up just put like putting me onto her. Final Fantasy XIV is a bit different than mainline Final Fantasy games, which are st- strictly single-player story adventures. XIV is a massive multiplayer online game, so some of the fun is the role-playing. It's creating a character and getting lost in the world. 
So fast forward a year, um, when I got more, what's the word? When I got more, um, I guess more experience with the game and I knew more what I was doing, I wanted to remake a character and do that same thing in mind where it was like, uh, she has her own personality. She has her own interests, uh, which were magic, uh, animals, which I originally made her to have Carbuncle, which is a little summon. It's so cute. Uh, <laughs> um, but I, like, through her uh, just being so excited about everything, being excited about the animals that she encounters, that I fell in love with the game again. Um, like, what I originally liked about the game, I liked it even more because I was seeing it through her eyes. So tell me a little bit about her. Uh, it's just like she's so... Like she's really into magic and she's really into... Like she really likes the animals. And um, when she gets to like new locations, she's just like marvels at everything. And um, it was like through her that I... Uh, started to see like the environment differently because you're like, oh, this is really cool. Like these colors are really cool. Um, I don't know. It just bring it just brought like a like a joy to the game that I first had when I first started playing. But um, which I kind of made it her goal to like pet everything that she could. <laughs> um, and I went up to. An antelope. They have a whole bunch of different animals. Usually the first starting area is just like basic animals like squirrels and stuff like that. But I wanted to, to an antelope and I wanted to pet it. And usually they don't attack you unless you attack them. Uh, so I went to pet it and I smacked it with my book. <laughs> <laughs> Betrayal. Tragedy. Is this a dark twist or just a button slip up? Thank you, Kayla, for sharing that story. Have you ever gotten lost in a game? Distracted by all the side quests, shiny icons, or random buttons to press? Our next guest, we have Kanji, telling us about his curiosity and difficulty staying on task. It's like, boy, you be playing, and you be like, all right, I'm on a mission. Oh, here's a side quest. Oh, here's a side quest. Go pick this up. And it's like, you... It, you start off on one path and then that shit spirals out of control. You can get back to the main path, but you still have fun doing all the other shit. And yeah, it's the shiny things. It's the things that we see on the map that we want to go interact with. It's those side quests that we want to see. We want to know what happens. We want to get an additional piece of the story. Like, I would play Elder Scrolls. And I never beat one of them shits until Skyrim. Like, I think Morrowind was the first one I played. My home, my homeboy in college had it. And I don't even know if I got out of the tutorial area. Like, I just kept robbing people's houses. Like, I was pickpocketing and all that shit. Like, going and just roam, rummaging through the town. And then I think after Morrowind came out, what was it? Oblivion. I damn, I didn't I never did the main story of that shit. I don't even know what the fuck the story was. But Skyrim was the only one I actually played through and completed. 
Mm-mm. I was spelunking through that game all the time. Oh, here's a cave. And I'd be in that bitch for a good hour. That's pretty much how I play video games, man. And so, Curiosity killed a cat. Even in multiplayer, right? Uh, yeah, so, Giz, so you know, Giz Award, the first one, you could do PvP, and it had its maps and whatnot. It was like five people, so we got to the point that we had enough people to run two teams. So we would meet up on Tuesdays. And it got so competitive that we ended up literally just being the same group of people against the other team. We ended up naming our team Stick Up Kids and the Money Team, right? And so every week we would go and just go at it. And so one day uh, a friend of another homie found out that we played Gears and he was like, yo, I play that too. And so they was like, come on through. And so he shows up. Now, mind you, at this point, I'm in the top three people out of all the You're players. talking just in your group, right? Yeah. We had at least three of us, three or four of us, where it was like, don't play them, like, don't run up on them one-on-one because that's a guaranteed L and it's not going to be in, it's going to be in their favor, right? And so I'm one of them people out of our group. So my man, Brian, who's the new guy, he shows up and we playing and Brian is just kicking niggas teeth in. It's like, what the fuck? I'm like, oh, damn. He is fucking everybody up. <laughs> so after Brian comes through and kicks everybody's teeth in, the comments about who's where in the ranking starts coming up. So it's a whole lot of ranking going on. Mike's here. Brian's here. Jason's here. This shit goes on for a week. So then we finally remake the teams, cap the names, and we go back at it. Now, we, early on, it was, you know, a bit competitive. But like I said, before Brian showed up, it was already a top four. So with Brian in the mix, now it's a top five. And so three of the top five is on one team and the other two me being one of the two against them so for the whole summer after this nigga Brian joined we went on a fucking losing streak like they called that shit the red summer cause they just whooped our ass every fucking Tuesday and it was just I'm talking rough like it was it was like <laughs> it was like being the bad news bears but actually being good and still losing like we would win matches but to win a week you had to win the total number of matches that night and we could not get over the hump because it was Brian my man Shock and my man Dre and the three of them together was a full on problem and we could not fucking solve it and so you know we continue to play time move forward people get older 
folks got kids. <laughs> Gears Five comes out, and we get we get back into the swinging things. And so we having this one match, and everybody's doing their thing. And me, for whatever reason, possibly because of my ADD, I get us to the point where it's one on one. Uh, sudden death between me and my man Jason. I do not know where he is on the map. My team is trying to be the eyes and tell me where he's at. But for whatever reason, while I'm looking for him, I'm on some map, and it is the boat map. It's like a, a a dock or whatever. And I I'm walking around looking for him, and I walk past a button, and it prompts you to push the button. And I'm like, ooh, what does this do? And I push X to press the button. Not knowing that Jason is practically right around the corner and can see me. So as soon as I go into the animation to push the button, my man flies out from where he's at. Shotty to the face. Match over. My team is flabbergasted. I'm like, hey, man, it was a button. I don't know what to tell you. Your motherfucker was calling me. Don't get distracted. Focus right here. We aren't going anywhere. We have one more amazing story, and I promise you won't want to miss this one. Street Fighter 4, like just the very first version before all the other ones, was really when I kind of came back to it because I, I didn't I didn't really play like Street Fighter 3 or a lot of the stuff in the PS2 eras because I couldn't afford those consoles. It was when I got older and I got my own money that I was able to afford a lot of this stuff again. So it, it was when when I started playing Street Fighter 4 again, it reminded me of when I was a kid and people are looking at you like, yo, what's, the, what's this kid? And, and you know, like people would use less politically correct words but you know um and it was always just such a rush to prove to somebody nah i can do this just as well as you do if not better and the good thing about fighting games is you can play however you want i have um a disability i suffer from uh cerebral palsy so the entire right side of my body is underdeveloped. Uh, so when it came to things like, you know, going outside, playing with other kids, doing a lot of things that other kids could do as far as physical activity, like I really couldn't handle it and I couldn't do it. So that isolated me in a lot of ways until... You know, I was seven, eight, nine years old, and I discovered video games. You know, the first console I ever played was an NES. So, you know, I was I was playing, you know, Mario Brothers and and Contra and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, the arcade game. But where I really discovered something that I was good at. And it was really 
a huge boost for my confidence and just really helped me become a, a, a better person and gave me a lot of self-esteem without me even realizing it was fighting games. Because when I got a Super Nintendo and I got Street Fighter 2, it was really a rush to have people play against you and underestimate you because you're disabled or because they think that they have to pity you or treat you a certain way. And it was always interesting to see people go from, oh, I feel sorry for them. I ain't going to play as hard as I normally would to, oh, nah, I'm going to mess this dude up. Forget that. Like, it was it really a beautiful thing to through video games get the respect that I sought as a human human being and often did not get because I was disabled and the thing is is it's a feeling that persists no matter how old I get or no matter what new game came out because people wouldn't know me or know who I was and would play against me and would feel like, you know, they were going to get an easy win or it was going to be an easy time. And they were like, oh, no, this this dude is is is, is playing. And even when it comes to um, the way that I have to hold the controller, because the way that I have to hold the controller is essentially I'm pressing most of the buttons and dealing with most of the inputs with my left hand. Um, so there were a lot of things that I had to do subconsciously as far as gaming that I didn't even know I was doing. I was just doing it because, okay, okay, this is the way in which I'll be able to play games. But when I actually had to explain it to people, they'd be like, oh my God, like that's incredible. Like even with button presses, I don't have any dexterity in my hands. So... I don't really press buttons. I push the controller up to my hand according to what button I got to press. And to able-bodied people, that looks like a lot. Like, it looks complicated. But for me, it's just what I needed to do to play. And I was going to do whatever I had to do to be able to play video games just like anybody else. You know? And uh, yeah, that's just been kind of my my story with video games and, and the story that kind of persists today. Thank you for sharing that amazing story, Tito. Video games and how much they mean to everyone. I just love sharing these type of stories with everyone. Hope you had as much fun listening as we had recording. This is What's the Fun in That? Alright everyone, it's been fun. From the ghastly eerie, I can see to the ends of the world, and from this vantage point, I declare with utter certainty that this one is in the bag. Want to support the show? Want a specific topic, comment, show, or movie discuss? 
Supporting the South Congress podcast on Patreon allows you to dictate the conversation. Visit patreon.com slash Seahawk for details on how you can support and guide the show. 